uh, it's a great privilege to be here tonight. It, again, it is just awesome to be able to stand here in front of you and, and to be able to proclaim the word of God and uh, the glorious grace of God and how he is just so merciful and gracious to us and how he loves us so much. And uh, tonight I was, it's kind of funny because as I've been preparing to do tonight's sermon, the pastor had talked to me and said, hey, um, I want you to go ahead and preach Sunday night. I was like, okay. And I've been studying this and I thought when I was studying before, as I've been kind of building up to it, man, this would be a good Thanksgiving sermon right here. And it's in Philemon. So take your Bibles and open the book of Philemon. We're going to continue our study. Many of you know the last time I spoke, uh, I started this series in Philemon. And uh, uh, by the way, uh, some people pronounce it Philemon. I won't argue with you if you want to uh, pronounce it Philemon. Uh, I, I just pronounce it Philemon. That's the way I was always raised. You know how it is. But I don't think we're going to split any theological hairs tonight over how we pronounce the book name. Um, but uh, Philemon, it's in the back of your New Testament. If you uh, start working through your books of the Bible, you'll get to uh, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. You keep going. 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, 1st and 2nd Timothy, Titus, Philemon. Okay? So uh, if you open your Bibles to Philemon, we're going to continue. Now, the book of Philemon, as we studied last time, uh, in a nutshell, the book is about faith, forgiveness, friendship, and freedom. So we're going we're gonna to do a little study over the several times that I get to preach on Sunday evenings uh, about this particular book of the Bible. It's only, as you can see, it is just one chapter. That's all it is. So if you ever get discouraged and feel like you need to read a book of the Bible, you can open your Bible to Philemon, and in probably about 8 to 12 minutes, you could probably read the whole book of the Bible and feel like you just accomplished something great because you read a book of the Bible. And God's word never returns void, amen? So when you read a whole book of the Bible, there's an effect in your life. It's going gonna, it's gonna to produce stuff in your life. So uh, it's pretty neat to think about how God's word works. Well, tonight I want to encourage you as we read Philemon, we're going to look at verses 4 through 7. The Bible says, Paul gives us this here, I thank my God, making mention of you always, or thee always in my prayers, hearing of thy love and faith which thou hast towards the Lord Jesus and towards all saints that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in our love because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee, brother. So we're going to look at these four verses tonight, and we're going to walk through them, and we're going to apply them to how our lives ought to be lives lived in thanksgiving, which is a really cool thing when we get to the end and I show it to you. So in verse 3, we see here that verses 1 through 3, as we studied last time, is the introduction to the book. We learned that, that uh, the book of Philemon is one of the prison epistles. And as one of the prison epistles, we know the other three are Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. And Paul wrote these from Rome in prison. He was incarcerated. And in those verses, he says, Paul, prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, unto Philemon, our dearly beloved and fellow laborer. And to our beloved Aphia and Acrippus, and uh, our fellow soldier, and to the church in thy house, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. We see here that he has just spoken of God as the giver of Christian grace. And we see here that in that, and in, in, in all that he does to explain this here, he basically calls forth this this opportunity to provide thanksgiving to God 
for other fellow laborers and other people who know Jesus Christ and who are working to accomplish the kingdom work that has been set out for us. When we look at this passage, verses 1 through 3, as we studied last time, we, we learned a lot of background, a lot of history about what takes place and lays the foundation. So if you missed the first one, go online and catch it and, uh, and, and make yourself available to it so that uh, you might understand a little bit more where Paul's coming from. So I want you to, in your heart, in your mind, I want you to picture Paul being in prison. He, he is a prisoner in Rome, but in Paul's mind, Rome is not the one who has him captive, Jesus does, because he believes, as we should, that God controls everything. Nothing happens by accident with God. Nothing happens outside of his will. Nothing happens outside of his knowledge. He knows everything that takes place, and he allows it to take place for a purpose. The Bible says, for uh, all things work together for good to them who love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. He has a purpose. Even in the bad things, he has a purpose. And we have to be dedicated. We have to be committed to know and believe that God will do what he says he's going to do and that there is a purpose even in the dark places of life. Listen, Paul is sitting in prison. He doesn't view himself as a prisoner of Rome. He views himself as a prisoner of God. He's right where God wants him. So Paul knows God has me here for a reason, and I'm going to accomplish that goal. I'm going to do what he's put me here to do. So Paul begins to proclaim the gospel while he's in jail. He writes these prison epistles while he's in jail. And he, he, he does his best to, even in a bad place, share Jesus Christ with people that need him, to encourage the saints through writing letters and through reaching out to them. And some saints even came to see him while he was in prison there in Rome, and he was able to encourage them and work with them. Listen, Paul did not allow his place in life to deter him from the purpose in his life. Now, I don't, I don't know everybody here and all that goes on in your lives, but I do know that there are a lot of people that sit in this room that you've, you've built friendships with me, and you've told me about stuff that you faced in your life or that you're facing in your life. And some of the things you've told me are not easy things. They're dark things. They're hard things. They're things that, 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 can, that, that can really turn your life into a bad place if you allow it to get you in that mind frame. But I'm here to encourage you today to let you know that even those, those, those dark places, even the difficult places in life, we need to follow Paul's example. And we need to look at those dark places as places and opportunities that God is utilizing to change our lives so that we can affect other people's lives as well. I was, uh, how many of y'all have Facebook? We got a bunch of Facebookers here? Okay. So you have Facebook, you kind of read what people put up. I have a friend who put something up that was interesting the other day. It was the fact that they, uh, they began, they, they were having problems with some people in their life. And they began to pray for these people. And they begin to, every day throughout the day, begin to pray for these people and for God to do something in their life. And it's interesting, this person had happened to them what the Bible says will have happened. It's not that God changes those people. It's God begins to change us. See, when we start focusing on wanting God to intervene, God says, okay, I'm going to intervene in you and help you grow in grace and in mercy and you to grow in love, and you to grow in areas you need to grow, so maybe you won't be so agitated or put out by people that you're having problems with. We see here that Paul, he does something really, really amazing here in, in verses 4 through 7. He does in a dark place where he could complain, where he could, he could unload and just let people know that he's not happy where he's at, 
He could, he could lash out at God, and he could, he could be mad at God and angry at God and tell God he doesn't understand why. He doesn't understand the purpose behind this. He doesn't understand. Paul could have went so many different routes while he was imprisoned and in this place, but Paul chose to set aside his personal grief and his personal sorrow and focus on the person of Jesus Christ and the kingdom work that he was placed there to do. Let's look at verse 4. He says here, I thank my God, making mention of thee always in my prayers. Now note that if you look at this, Paul is again in prison. These prison epistles are there, and he is writing them, and he says, I thank my God, making mention of thee always in my prayers. Listen, a time of year when Thanksgiving, that we celebrate Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving hits, and we are sitting in this place tonight, we're getting ready to go into a week where we are going to have food, and we're going to have friends and family, and we're going to interact with people that maybe we don't always get to interact with. We're going to maybe meet some new people in the process. All the things, these things are going to take place. As we do this, we do it, and we put it on our nation's calendar as a day of Thanksgiving on Thursday. But Paul didn't wait for one day every year to live in Thanksgiving. Paul didn't wait for a good day to live in Thanksgiving. Paul celebrated every day as Thanksgiving and giving God glory and praise for what he's doing, not just in his life, but in the people's lives of the church and the kingdom work. If you look here, he says, I thank my God, making mention of thee always in my prayers. Paul was always in prayer, always seeking God's face, always pursuing God in thought and in, in, in heart. And in the process of doing that, he's praying for these churches and these people, these churches that are coming to his mind that God would strengthen them and be with them and encourage them. And Paul would pray for these things as we study his books, we see what he does. If you, if you look in uh, Ephesians chapter 1, if you have your Bibles, maybe you have a digital copy or a written copy, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. It's interesting. Here's, here's Ephesians, the other prison epistle, and this is how Paul greets the, the church at Ephesus. He says, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. How about if you go to uh, the book of Philippians, chapter 1? If you have your Bible, just flip over a few pages there. Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Another prison epistle. This is what Paul says. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making requests with joy. Look over at Colossians chapter 1. This is the other prison epistle. Colossians chapter 1. Paul writes all of these from this Roman prison, and he expresses to the church these sentiments, these thoughts. He says in, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 3, We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Since we heard of your faith in, in Christ Jesus and of the love which ye have to all the saints. Do you see a common thread here of Paul while he is in prison and, and the greetings that he gives to these churches when he writes to them and to Philemon as he writes to them? He's, you see that there's some commonalities here. We keep seeing that he's giving thanks. We keep seeing that he recognizes and he embraces the love that these churches are expressing. But look here, he also brings up the fact that they have great faith. Great faith that causes them to love and live the way they do. As you look here in verse 4, we see that Paul again greets Philemon with the same heart. I thank my God, making mention of you always in prayers. Let's look at verse 5. Hearing of the love and faith which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus 
and towards all the saints. We see here that Paul, as he greets these people, as he greets Philemon, and as we studied last week, it was Philemon, Philemon or not last week, it was three weeks ago, we, we see that he, he greets and he's talking to Philemon. Uh, it was most likely Philemon's wife, his son, and then those other people that were joining in their house church there at Philemon's residence. Now, as we studied the last time, we found out Philemon was a wealthy man and he had slaves. And Onesimus was one of those slaves. And Onesimus, we're going to get to him, but Onesimus is the purpose at which Paul's writing this letter. But he's first focusing and reminding and letting Philemon know that he has a testimony. He has a reputation with, with God and with people about having love and faith, love for God and faith. Now we see here in verse 4 and verse 5, hearing of thy love and faith. Now I think it's interesting when you look at this verse, uh, if you have a marker or a Crayola or whatever you use to mark in your Bible, uh, it says hearing of thy love and faith, and then there's a comma, and then it says which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus and toward all saints. So we see here Love and faith, I want you to look at the sentence structure in this. He has love and faith, and then he says towards Jesus and the saints. So when we look at that verse and we break it down, we see that the faith that he has is focused on his relationship with Jesus Christ, and the love that he has is focused on the people, the saints of God. And as you look at that verse and you break it down, you, you have to recognize that Paul wants... Philemon to see these two things that his reputation has has built for him in his life. Now, I came across this through a commentator. His name's Albert Barnes, incredible, incredible gifted commentator. And I wanted to read this to you because it's incredible how he says this. Hearing of thy love and faith, this praise which he bestows on Philemon includes briefly the whole perfection of a Christian man. It consists of two parts faith in Christ, and love towards our neighbors. Listen, we can't love our neighbors the way God wants us to love them if we don't have faith in God. And you're not living out your faith in God if you don't exhibit love for your neighbor. So Albert Barnes here, which is far, a very gifted man, he brings to our attention that these two things, the love and the faith, are the two things that basically bring to perfection the whole of a Christian man or woman. As we look here in this passage, Paul, in his day, recognizes the significance of this. Now, I wanted to get in, into another word here that we see here. The, the word is hagios in, in the Greek, and uh, I'm, I don't proclaim to be a, a Greek professor or, uh, you know, very knowledgeable. I took it in seminary and, and uh, utilized it, however... For our purpose, I want you to look at this word in verse 5, toward all the saints. I want you to understand that when we use this term saints, the word saint means morally blameless, physically pure, religious, in ceremonial consecration. So when we refer to people as, well, they are a saint, we're saying that that person exhibits someone who is physically or, or morally pure. They're blameless. That means that they, they, they live their life to, to live that people can't point their finger at them and, and bring accusation against them. And it says here, ceremonially consecrated. 
It's a person who understands in their heart and in their life, they have made it a purpose to recognize and embrace the fact that they have given themselves on the altar of God to live in such a way that people would see Jesus in them. It's a personal ceremony that in our hearts and minds we make that decision. Now, I want you to understand that uh, when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, we, we get what we refer to as being saved or being born again. But there's a lot to learn when you come to faith in Jesus Christ, isn't there? We never stop learning. This side of heaven or on that side of heaven, we will never stop learning what God has for us from the Word of God. It is going to be the eternal pursuit. But I want you to know that as a believer matures and the sanctification works in their life, we've been justified by faith, now we're being sanctified, and we daily grow more and more into, the, into conformity with the image of Jesus Christ and who Jesus is and what he's trying to do in our life. So when people look at us, they don't see us, they see Jesus. They see God at work. They see the works of God being manifest in us, not because we're so great, it's because we're so consecrated. We begin to give our lives over more and more to him and his work and what he's doing as he sanctifies us to be more like him. As we look at this passage of Scripture, we see that he identifies in verse 5, hearing of the love and faith which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus and towards all the saints. It's towards people who have committed themselves to walk with God and have view themselves as being uh, pure and morally set apart for the religious work of God. Now, my challenge to you just in verse 5 is, listen, folks, we need to understand that living for God is a serious business. It is not happenstance. You don't live for God by mistake. You have to purpose in your heart that you're going to live for God. The Christian life goes against the, the, the life that you walk for Jesus Christ and in, in light of what the Bible says is not natural. It goes against our nature. So we have to purposely set out to be what God wants us to be. And the only way that can take place is for us to get into the Word of God, let the love of God work in our life, and as we, we see things in our life that don't belong there, we, we get rid of those things and use the Word of God to help us to get them out. And in the process, He's sanctifying us, and we're becoming more and more set apart to do more and more for the cause of Christ because Christ can be seen more in us the more we get the world out of us. Does that make sense? So when we see what Paul says here about the saints toward all the saints, we have to understand that these are people that are actively and consciously setting out a strategy to be the followers of Christ that they know they ought to be. Now, you said, Bill, you said a lot of stuff there for what? Because, folks, I'm here to tell you that we have a challenge as believers. Ones who attend here at Oakley Baptist Church to be saints of God. And as saints of God, we have a responsibility to love one another and to pray for one another and to encourage one another. And we're going to see what Paul does here with that in this passage of Scripture. But I want you to understand, he starts this passage out first and foremost thanking God 
for Philemon and these attributes in Philemon's life that his testimony, his reputation has, has been able to be heard in Paul's ears to know that this, in fact, is what Philemon is about. Let's look at verse 6. The Bible says here that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Now, I want you to understand this. I had to read that verse about 10 times because something didn't set right with me. And I figured out what didn't set right. It's the last four or five words of that verse. Do you see where it says, in you, in Christ Jesus? It's kind of, is that, that's not really how we talk today, is it? So when we look at this passage of Scripture and we see where Paul says here that the communication of thy faith, understand the communication, this is, when you have faith in God, you are going to communicate it somehow. It's going to be out of your mouth. It's going to be out of your actions. It's going to be out of your, your, your finances. It's going to be out of your uh, places you go and the things you do and the places you don't go and the, place, the things you don't do. All these things are going to be evidenced by your faith in Jesus Christ. You're going to communicate. Your, your mouth communicates. Your body communicates. Your, 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 your goings and your comings uh, are going to communicate. All those things communicate. But I want you to think about it the opposite way. If you don't have faith, there's nothing to communicate. There's nothing there. So when you come across someone that says they're a believer in Jesus Christ, but there's no communication of their faith anywhere in their life, they in their own testimony are living out a lack of any faith. We see here, Paul says, the communication of thy faith may become effectual. I think this is neat. That word effectual means to be active or operative. I, I, I've I was watching a TV show. Forgive me, Lord. Um, I, was, I was watching this TV show, and I was happened to just be, you know how you have Netflix or you have one of these services, and you can flip through the channels, and they show little blurbs of things when you come across their little program. Well, a little blurb started at the top talking about making, um, making moonshine. Sorry. I, <laughs> forgive me, Lord. Uh, and I, I just watched the blurb for a moment as it was talking about making moonshine. And it talked about how you had to put yeast, and I don't know all the ins and outs to it because I don't, but it talked about how you have to put the yeast in for it to activate, to do certain things, to cause it to do what it's supposed to do. If you never put yeast in there, it's not going to happen. And I got to thinking about that. I was watching this little blurb for 30 or 45 seconds that it had. And I got to thinking, you know, bread won't rise without yeast, Right? Apparently, moonshine and that stuff won't work without yeast. So I believe from a physical standpoint, as we think about that, if a believer doesn't, have, if a person doesn't have faith in their life, they are not going to be able to rise to what God can do in their life and exemplify the love of God in their life because they're missing the ingredient that allows that to happen. Now, we have people that try to do this, they try to fake it until they make it. They train their flesh to do good things. They, they train their flesh to say the right things. They even memorize Bible verses. They show up for church. They do things that we classify or qualify as faith-based choices and decisions in their life. But I'm here to tell you that there's a, an inward love and an inward grace and mercy that a person that knows Jesus Christ it's going to rise in them and become what they're known for and what they have in their life. 
if you don't have faith, it's the activator in your life to live for God is going to be dead. It's, it's not going to be able to be what it needs to be or what it can be. Now, I want you to look here how he says the last part of this verse. This is really cool. He says, by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Again, that caught me so many times I had to read it. Which is in you in Christ Jesus. Which is to say that because Jesus is in you, this is in you. That's the only way you get it. Because it's in you in Christ Jesus. It's taking, it's, it's, it's like you take a glass of water and you take a marble and drop it in the water. The marble is in the water. Got it? So it is submerged, it is engulfed, it is, it is totally surrounded. There, there's no way to say that it's not being affected by water on every side. As a believer, if we have Jesus Christ in us, we are affected by him on every side. It is going to be part of it. The Holy Spirit, we are submitted, we are submerged in the Spirit of God the day we come to faith in Jesus Christ. And in that submersion, it should affect every aspect of our life. He begins to teach and he begins to convict and he begins to work as we see the Bible teaches. So we see here in this passage, he says, by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus, the acknowledging here means that every good thing that is in a saint is something that needs to point people directly back to who Jesus Christ is. Because we realize in Jesus Christ, it's not us. It's all God. The other thing we see here, this phrase, in you. I want you to understand that when Paul writes this here, he's writing personally to Philemon, but this is an application to every believer and follower of Jesus Christ. It's in us. If we have faith and we have come to faith in Jesus Christ and accepted him into our life as our Savior, we have the ability to have Christ working in us as we live in this world. He's in us as we're in him. So we look here and we see that Paul draws this out and he, he's commending, he's, he's encouraging Philemon because of this fact. Now, let's finish tonight with verse 7. He says, for we have great joy and consolation in thy love because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee, brother. The Apostle Paul here, he looks at Philemon's life and the charity, the love that Philemon has shown to so many people, the reputation that he's built of this love and generosity and faith. And Paul says, listen, this has, this has been a tremendous help to so many believers if you look here he says for we have great joy listen one of the things i know is when jesus christ is in your life and you begin to try to love others do you know that you are having the ability to bring joy into their life because of the love that you're showing to them people that don't understand why they're doing what they're doing, people that are in really bad spots in life and they need help, people that are, are, are destitute and, and they don't know which way to turn. When someone with the grace and compassion of Jesus Christ takes a moment of their time to stop and to express love and genuine concern, it brings joy into that person's life because they sense love. 
and not just a love, somebody wanting to give a handout, someone that genuinely from here is expressing a genuine concern and love for their situation and their life. We see here, he has great joy. And then it says, and consolation. That word consolation is an interesting word. The word consolation here, as we, as we look at it, is comfort or refreshment. So as, as, as Philemon has built this reputation, Paul says, For we, because of you, Philemon, and your, and your house church, we have great joy because you've, you've shown us love. You have com- we have comfort and refreshing in thy love. Then he says here, Because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee, brother. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read the Bible and I see a word like bowels, I start thinking of, you know, like Shakespeare and all those old English people. Because when, when the King James Bible was, was translated, that, that was a common word. People understood what it was. In our vernacular today, bowels does not necessarily carry that same thought. The, that word bowels means our heart or denotes a great affection for something. So when we read this verse in verse 7, we see because the, our hearts, our, our, our minds of the saints are refreshed by thee. The bowels are your heart, the deepest part of your emotions and, and the neediness you have in your life. That... that, that uh, that inner spirit inside of you, emotion inside of you, that when you see something tragic, it makes you want to cry. When you see something phenomenal, it makes you want to laugh and just smile big. That inner part of you that guides those, those fluctuations and those immense emotions are the bowels in us. And Paul here tells Philemon, because the inner heart, that inner person, that inner spirit that drives emotions of us, of the saints, are refreshed by thee. Now, I said all that in these couple of verses to get to this. I thought, I thought this was really cool as, as the Father was teaching me and I was praying through this. Um, it's kind of funny how when we study, we go through this and we get all this in-depth stuff. And then I sit back and I go, okay, how can this be practical for us today? Now, that's a lot of knowledge and information, but what can we do today with it? And this, I came up with two things. If you have a pen and paper, you want to write them down, I encourage you to, just, a, just some simple thoughts. People with, heart, uh, with thankful hearts do three things that we see in this passage. One, they remember to pray for you because faith and love is evident in your life. The second thing we see in this passage, people with a thankful heart see the power of Christ in your life. Verse 6. And then the third thing that I saw here from a practical application would be people with a thankful heart appreciate the joy, comfort, and refreshment that you bring them with God's love in your life. Those three things are things that we see Paul exemplify and write to Philemon about here. There's three other things. I was actually done studying and was finished and was actually getting ready to print the sermon and 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 kind of be like, oh, okay, I can rest now. And God said, wait, I got more. I don't know if it was God or just me thinking so. But people with a thankful heart, here's it in the simplest form. People with a thankful heart thank God. Amen? 
So this week we have an opportunity to express a thankful heart, and we can thank God. The second thing, people with a thankful heart look for God to work in people's lives. They look for God to work in people's lives. Now, I don't know about you, but when I'm hungry, which is all the time, I find myself looking for people that have food. Anybody else here like that? They just opened a, uh, yeah, me and Jeff, we got it. They just opened an ice cream place called Dreamette up here in Middleburg. And uh, it's right next to the, the godforsaken Taco Bell. Um, I can tell you right now, when I start getting hungry, I have to admit, I'm going to confess a sin to you. I shouldn't be eating this stuff, but man, one of the first things on my mind when I'm within 10 minutes of that Dreamette is, man, I could pop and dream that and get me an ice cream cone, and that would satisfy me right now. Listen, when I get hungry, I start looking for food. Do you know that when you want to see God work, maybe we should start looking for people that God's working in their life. Because where God's at work, we can be a part of it. Whether it's someone who hasn't come to faith in Christ yet, and they need Jesus, and you're coming alongside them, and God's working in their life, they don't even realize it. And you're a part of that work. Or maybe it's someone who is saved, and they've been saved for 100 years. And they're going through a difficult time in their life right now, physically or emotionally or financially or mentally, whatever it might be, and you can come alongside them, and you know God's at work in their life, and they know God's at work in their life, but it's a hard work. And you can come alongside them and take their hand and be a part of that work. Thankful people look for God at work in people's lives. The other thing I see here, and we'll close with this, is thankful people give joy, comfort, and refreshment to others. And by the way, when you read this passage, these, these few verses, love produces these things. When Paul says, Philemon, you love people, he's saying, you don't just love people. Because of the love you have for people, you bring joy into their life. You bring comfort into their life, or you bring refreshing into their life. As we thank God for what we have this week, and we take time, we take our, our time and our families, and we sit down at our tables, and we have our meals, and we begin to thank God, I want to encourage you. Thank Him for all He's done. Thank Him for the work he's doing, not just in your life, but in the people's lives that are sitting at the table with you. Maybe the people who aren't able to sit at the table with you. Thank God for the work he's doing. And the last thing is, with your thankful heart, ask God, who can I encourage and bring joy to? Who can I bring comfort to? Who's not comfortable that I can give a word of comfort or Provide something to help them to have comfort. Maybe you're a type of person that you, you just have this unique ability to be a refreshing spirit for people. You know how to get people to laugh and to feel energized again and to be encouraged in such a way that they realize that life is not as bad as what they might think it is. Take those gifts and love people with those gifts and listen you do that and as paul saw these these character traits in philemon's life 
the people of God will see these character traits in our lives if we will live them out. They'll see it. Being thankful, looking for God at work, and then bringing joy, comfort, and refreshing to people around us. Man, that's what we're here to do. As we lead people to God, we can do it through these three tools. And I want to encourage you to look for opportunities this week to do it as we thank God for how good He is. Thankful people do these things. We see that in Paul's life, and we can have it in our lives too. So let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, I want to thank you for the great opportunity to be in your word tonight. Thank you for Paul and, and Philemon and the writing here. Thank you for the redemptive work, not just in their lives, but Father, thank you for the redemptive work in my life. God, I deserve hell. My life was in sin and contrary to you. But I want to thank you for loving me. I want to thank you for saving me. And Father, I pray that as you work in our lives here at this church, help us, Father. God, help us to look for you at work and become part of it. And God, help us to be, bring joy and comfort and refreshing to those around us who need it. Help us to purpose in our life and put a strategy in our life to do these things that our lives would reflect someone who is genuinely thankful. With every head bowed, every eye closed, maybe you're here tonight and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Listen, Jesus loves you. The Bible tells us that he went to a cross and he gave himself, he died for your sin and for my sin. If you're here tonight and you've never accepted Jesus Christ into your life, you've never recognized that he paid for your sin on the cross, you've never went to him and said, God, thank you for the work you did on the cross. I, I, I want you to come into my life. I, I want you to forgive me for my sin. I am so sorry for my sin. Come into my life and forgive me, God. I want to give my life to you and from here out live for you. If you've never done that and you're watching online or you're here tonight, I want to encourage you tonight, take a moment of your time right now this week, right now this evening, and pray and ask God to save you. Maybe you're here tonight you say, Bill, I've been going through some really difficult times. Life's been a little dark. I've been struggling. But tonight, the Word of God has taught me I need to be thankful. I need to look for God at work, and I need to be a joy, a refreshment, and a comfort to people around me that need it. And through doing this, people will see God in me. And tonight, I'm going to commit to try to do that and develop that pattern and that work in my life. Maybe you're here tonight, and that's you. Right where you're sitting, I want to ask you right now just to take a moment and pray and ask God to keep this fresh in your memory and to help you to carry this out. And be what God needs you to be this week as we go out and meet with friends and family and celebrate this season of Thanksgiving.